Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Well, I tell you, the Christmas decorations are already out. Actually, Christmas decorations were out in the stores before the Halloween candy was out in the stores this year. It drives me nuts. Uh, yeah. Well, Costco's absolutely piled with both right now. It's <laughs> weird. Since they're already making me go through the aisles. and <laughs> I'm like, oh. But at the same time, I can't find any eggnog yet, and that, that pisses me off. I'm a, I can't wait for eggnog season to come about because, you know, I'm a big rum fan, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no eggnog in the stores yet. It's here. You just have to take a trip. <laughs> you can't just mail it to me? No, no. They don't like that. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be patient. I'll mail, mail you an empty carton. That's what I can do. That'd be light enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll fill it back up and send it back. But you're not going to like what I fill. <laughs> oh dear! Wow, we're really, really going downhill here. Well, uh, hello everyone. Sorry for the banter. You know, some of you like it, some of you don't. I, I imagine. In any case, you brought up something the other day, and I wanted to bring it up because uh, you made a good point. That's something that would be interesting to talk about, and that's Sempo. Now, can you tell people what Sempo is? Sempo, uh, search, what's that stand for? Um, Search Engine Marketing Professionals Organization, I believe. It's our, basically, it's our trade, industry trade group. Um, At least they've, they've been trying to be for years. Some people have have really, you know, um, attached themselves to Sempo. Some people just totally distance themselves from Sempo. So I'm not real sure anymore how um, effective and you know how good of an organization they are overall. I think the agency side of the world likes them more than the independent side of the world likes them when it comes to our industry. Um, but they they actually are doing something very interesting right now, and they had a big meeting at uh, PubCon um, just this last week or so to talk about this. It's an exploratory meeting. They want to create industry ethics standards. Now, now this has come up in our industry many times over the years, and every time it's come up to have an ethics standards, it's 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 faced with huge debate, lots of backlash, and it's no different this time. Um, I think the main difference this time is it's an actual larger established organization trying to build these ethics guidelines. Um, have, have you have you been in these discussions in the past, Ross? What's your take on an, an ethics guideline for our industry? I, I kind of I'm one of these people who like the kind of the old west style of the internet just because I've always had my ethics and I post them very publicly on my website and that's good enough for me. I don't like the idea of a uh, organization that may be run by people I do or do not respect and has changed over time, um, trying to tell me what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. I guess it's the my. <laughs> never been much for authority and in that case um and like i say though too the people have changed there's been some that are being in the head there that just gives me the willies i had no interest whatsoever in them representing us um and frankly there's just i don't know i it's also been so difficult everyone's got their own opinion of what is ethical and what isn't um i don't really understand how they can 
pitch some of the stuff, such as spam, as ethical in any way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It, it, the whole thing gets gets my goat. Um, I think at this point, there's enough momentum. It's going to happen, though. Yeah, well, years and years ago, I was driving to work. I was working at in-house SEO for uh, for a foreclosure data company, right? And I was stopped at a stoplight behind a plumber's van, right? And I noticed on the back of his van, it says licensed and bonded, gave his license number. And it made me think. I'm like, this guy is fixing toilets, and he has to be licensed and bonded, and we've got people in our industry dealing with companies, multi-million dollar budgets in a Wild West format, like you say. Where's the discrepancy? Why does this toilet, the guy fixing a toilet, have to have a license and be bonded by the state versus this, these guys that are responsible for millions of dollars of revenue for companies that, that don't even have to have any kind of certification whatsoever? And it made me think a lot about it. And what I came up with was that the – that the plumber had very strict, specific guidelines to follow. We will never get that unless it's the search engines that provide our ethics guidelines. And they will never do that because that means they have to open up their algorithms to everybody, right? Well, they're already telling us how we should do what we do. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I, I don't disagree. They, they tell us, but they do it vaguely. Like you're so, you're so fond of saying it's like vague. It's vague. It's open for interpretation. And, Guidelines this will only work if a they're not too granular. You can't say a title tag must be seventy characters long or whatever, or you're you're not following the guidelines. But they have to be strict enough to to protect the the innocent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they still, I don't think, will have much weight or power with just Sempo behind it. Sempo is not a strong enough organization anymore. Um, to, to do that, they have to get some backing from somebody else, whether it be other organizations, um, publications like Search Engine Watch, Search Engine Land, um, the engines themselves. If they backed it, that, that could add some credibility to it. I think it's I think it's a, an interesting concept, and I think it's a good idea. It's something that's I personally think is needed as long as it's not too granular. Yeah, I'm actually, just checking them. I, I think Google has a representative within it. Yeah, they are. I think in, in, in one of the representatives within Sempo, or at least they, they are in talks with them. They always have been, haven't they? Yes and no. I mean, they're in talks. They're in talks with my company. I mean, they're in talks with everybody. But whether they actually, as a company, sit down and say, "Yes, we back these ethics well, proposals," no. <laughs> that's what the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and if they did that, I think that might even uh, <laughs> backlash on them. Yeah, but but I think, and I've talked to Chris Box, who's kind of the voice of this about this whole thing, and and a lot of this is is really just geared towards protecting um, people for because you know our industry, our industry has a reputation for having a bunch of crooks, you know, snake oil salesmen in it, and the idea is to help clean that image up, and that is to me that is really really needed, bad in our industry because I face it every day. You get what come you get talk to clients that had bad experiences and that are just really dis- disheartened with the whole industry as a whole. They don't trust it. They don't trust you. Uh, they don't trust the work you do because they've had these bad experiences. And I think something like this can help that long-term if it's done right. But like you said, it can backlash pretty quickly. And there's a lot of people already pushing against it. 
But I think, like I, like I said earlier, it's the small shop independent SEOs that are pushing hard against it versus the agencies that want that additional credibility. Yeah, so, and, and they don't mind spending whatever X amount of dollars to do it. It's like we don't need another expense just to tell people what we're already doing. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, and, I, and I think Sempo is going to be, you know, the, you'll have badges and you'll be able to, you know, if you if you comply and you fit within whatever these guidelines are, you get to put this badge and you can say that you're compliant to or whatever. And I think agencies are much more in the mindset to do that kind of thing than the individual shop that wants more flexibility. But again, it's that individual shop that wants more flexibility. When it's somebody who knows what they're doing, like you or a lot of the people we know in the industry, that's fine. But when it's people that don't really know what they're doing and they take this flexibility and they hurt clients and they hurt, hurt other businesses because they don't know what the hell they're doing, that's where it's a problem. What I think is a good idea is instead of enforcing it and requiring people to certify, et cetera, et cetera, is, is just making it really, really obvious what ethical is in our industry um, and publishing that and making it really, you know, optimizing it <laughs> so <laughs> people can find it. and. Yeah. And that might be something they could use, you know. I wonder who they can wonder who they can find to do that. Yeah, you'd <laughs> hope they might find someone, but uh. and, and I'm still kind of up in the air. I'm not sure whether this is specific to SEO or whether it's search marketing as a whole. Are they going to deal with ethics and PPC? What What about social marketing? Where do they draw the line? Because I mean, there's search marketing, but they 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 profess to be a lot bigger. So it, it's interesting where they're going to draw the line on that as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's uh... so. So I also wanted to ask you. Okay, here's a, here's a case scenario, and I won't I won't mention who the actual uh, vendor is that does this. But I want to I'm gonna give you a scenario, and you tell me whether this is an ethics violation, and how would you measure that or or test against it in the guidelines like this. So I, I know there's a company out there that sells um, SEO large scale to small businesses, right? Mm. And they have this big platform where they tie it into lead gen. They, they, sh- they show tons of benefit from the SEO work they do. They show literally hundreds of keywords that, they're, that the client might be um, ranking on. Um, they show leads generated from keywords. So they, they give this great dashboard. When you go in and you dig in and you analyze what they're doing, the only leads they ever get for their clients are branded terms. All the unbranded terms have zero search volume. Zero. Not just low, but zero search volume. But they show it as you're ranking number one for 47 terms. But actually, if you rank number one on Yahoo, Google, and Bing, that counts as three number ones. So they're really only ranking number one on 10 terms. So they're doing things like that that make it look like they're really providing a lot of value, but they're really doing crap for these people because they're already going to get those leads from the branded search. They're not driving any traffic from all these non-branded terms that don't have any search volume, but they're reporting it, and the way they present the data makes it seem like they're providing a ton of value. Is that an ethics violation, and how would you monitor that? (laughs) That's an easy one. Yes, it's obviously an ethics (laughs) violation. Um, and really, how you do monitor, I'm trying to think from a layman's perspective, right? Someone who's being suckered by this. And, and they're really starting to wonder. And that's what happens a lot. They get to the point where like, you know, what am I spending all this money on? I had this call with a, a reseller the other day um, with, uh, and I don't care, I'll mention them, Yellow Pages. And uh, these clients were just like, I'm spending this much money. I don't see the value. I'm not getting reports. What I'm getting is just not what I want to see. And uh, uh, ah, they were just pissed. And 
and they ultimately dug in and just saw that they really weren't getting value, but they were, you know, it looked like they were. Um, and what it came down to is, I, what it comes down to, I think, is, again, I think this is where Sempo can fill a role, is, is just making it profuse, so simple to find information on how to vet your reports. You know, what are the signals that you are not getting value? And and that's the only way I can think of doing it. And not just simple. I mean, anyone can do it. In their case, I'm just tying it in. But the fact is, if they don't, if a client doesn't really know, or a small business user doesn't really know what to look for, they can be easily suckered. So many, so many of them come to us saying, "But I really want to be found for my name." Well, okay, <laughs> we can do that for you, but that's not going to get you business. Whereas some companies might just say, "Great, we'll do it. It's going to cost yeah. five hundred bucks a month." And it will get you business. It'll get you business from people who already know about you. Yeah. You want you want to get brand new business, b- people that don't know about you and discover you, and that's how you grow business. So, I mean, you do want to be found for your name if you're not being found for your name. But that's I, when we put out SEO programs, we make sure we explain we are not counting branded traffic. You know, our goal is not to build you more branded traffic. Our bo- bo- goal is to provide brand new business through underbranded traffic. Good. Yeah, so that's that's ideal, really. It is ideal to have that kind of clarity. Uh, so one thing I actually ran into recently, and it drives me insane, is thanks to Google blocking keywords, keyword data, I've got an example where I'm working with a hotel, and it frustrates the hell out of me because when I try and show data that I'm doing a good job for them now, I can't prove to them that... Okay, I can see that, say, 60% of the traffic come to their site is organic. I'm very proud of that. It's definitely grown over the years. But I can't prove to them that most of that traffic or even a, a significant share of that is not branded anymore because there's no way to know other than the Google Webmaster Tool report, which is very bl- – very. it doesn't show you volume of any significant amount. Mm-hmm. Very, very annoying. I mean, that is really – that's where Google has screwed business owners because it, it has – taken away the ability for a business owner to really understand what value they're getting from campaigns. See, now I've noticed, and I, and I haven't done any real research on this, but I have just in passing noticed that a lot of the times when I'm looking at terms that show up in Google Analytics, they're not uh, under the uh, not provided banner. A lot of those terms are branded. So I'm wondering if, and maybe someone should do a study or someone should ask Google specifically or directly, you know, if branded terms, how, how, how many of those not provided terms are actually branded? Because my guess is basically on just casual observations that a lot of the terms that you see that are not labeled as not provided, the ones that actually show you are branded. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. I'll, I'll check that out myself and keep an eye yeah. on it. And I haven't done research again. It's just just a casual observation. I've noticed it a couple of different times, so I'd love to see if you notice the same thing. Yeah, I'll check it. I'm actually just loading it now out of curiosity. But with that said, let's take a quick break. When we come back. We've got a few more points and some questions. SEO one hundred and one will be back right after recess. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. 
Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Karka, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Well, Google <laughs> Studies. <laughs> is, that, is, is that one of those oxymorons like Army Intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised they just didn't use their algorithms to figure this out. But um, voice search. I, I really enjoyed reading this because, you know, it's kind of done campishly, you know, even the title said, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in Google, you don't see them doing that kind of fun stuff or album. Anyway, they're saying that teenagers and people actually re- use voice search. Have uh, you ever used voice search? Yes. See, I don't think I have, but I have a friend that asks Siri everything. I mean, everything. It, it's to the point where, where my wife gets pissed off and says, tells me, tell him to quit that. Because every time we think, anybody asks a question, he immediately asks Siri. <laughs> and it gets pretty annoying, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Well, did you watch, did you, um, on another note, did you see that uh, test that Stone Temple, or Stone Temple, yeah, Consulting did? Uh, Which one? Um, they did it on um, Siri versus Google. And versus Cortana. Cortana? No, I didn't. What did they find out? It was amazing, actually. Google blew all the other ones away now. uh, Really? In terms of of understanding and and results. Um, It was was very interesting. But it was like 80% correct versus 650 or something like that for Siri and like 30 or something for Cortana. I don't know. I'm taking that out of my... My 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 mind here, which isn't necessarily good to do, but <laughs> there was that kind of a gap. It was significant. 
Interesting. But I, I do, to their point, I do think voice search is still in its infancy. It's going to become more and more mainstream over time. Um, I think I think we're at the point you know, for with voice search that we were with local search about four years ago. Oh, 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 oh. I, I actually came up with something I thought it would be really funny. I, I am waiting for some smartass to create a radio ad that says, okay, Google, go to www.mysite.com. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Wouldn't that, that is going to work so well. Or even better, um, if you have a ranking, like, or you're perhaps you're in the knowledge base, you've managed to work your way in there. Okay, Google, what is the best lawn care company in Victoria, BC? And if you happen to get it and it says the name, I mean, how cool would that be? That is cool. I think we ought to get the producer here to, to do an, a, a radio show advertising for SEO 101 that does that exact thing. It's <laughs> Glasgow can do that. I know he can. Yeah. Well, I, see, I've got a client. I've actually gotten into the knowledge base as the definition for that service in that city. And well, so nice. it would work well for them. <laughs> nice. I thought, reg- speaking of doing things weird tied to, to search marketing, I know this is totally off topic, but unfortunately he's going to listen to this so now it's not going to work, but I thought of the greatest practical joke ever to play on Scott based on, our, based on an article I read yesterday. Mm-hmm. This guy figured out how to do Facebook targeted ads to one particular person. Oh, yes. We, Scott and I have seen that. We were joking about doing that to each other and, and to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea. And I'm going to find the perfect target. And, and Scott, beware. <laughs> well, if you want any dirt that would really scare him, just let me know. Oh, yeah. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be contacting you. <laughs> um, in any case, voice and teenagers used it often. They didn't want to use it in like... Uh, you know, in school or anything like that, but they did use it and they found it fun, not necessarily serious. Personally, I use it for weather. Um, uh, I've got my phone set to, to running all the time. So I can say without touching my phone at all, okay, Google, and it'll, it'll do whatever it needs to do. Nice. Um, so I find it kind of handy. My son and I have actually enjoyed spending like half an hour and he said, Oh, what else can we ask it? <laughs> uh, so we try and think of different things to ask it. And, and it's neat. Yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, 90% of my Siri usage is this redial. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> teenagers are doing. They're using it to dial and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the future. You know, it's one of those no brainers. It's, it's going to be funny. You're going to see so many of the, uh, uh, next year in search predictions soon, one of them is going to be mobile is big, and the next one will be voice search is going to be huge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like all the stuff that's so damn obvious, it drives me crazy. <laughs> so so let's, let's talk about from an from a optimization. How do you optimize for voice search? <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot about like being the ultimate, the ultimate answer for a particular subject. So semantically, you're going to have to be so relevant that Google considers you the answer to yeah. a particular topic. Rel- relevancy and authority. Uh, beyond belief. Yep. And, and that's not something that's easily competed with. If someone oh, gets up there, it's going to be brands. And, and good luck a small business ever doing it. 
Well, it's going to be tied to mobile as well, I think, much more so than tied to, to desktop. Mm-hmm. And we know there's already different things happening in mobile search from a from an algorithmic standpoint um, that, that you need to pay attention to that really don't matter that much for organic. So those things are actually going to also count, I, I believe, towards voice search. Hmm. You know, it'd be interesting just to do a uh, brainstorm, uh, just the two of us on, and maybe even videotape it for the others to listen to or to watch. I mean, but just on a board, just writing down all the thoughts and then watching where it leads. It's what I, I used to do that with Jim Hedger a lot. And we would just take a piece of paper on a wall and just go at it. And then we'd come up with the neatest concepts of what was coming up in the future. And we, and we were often not far off. I can imagine some pretty odd concepts coming out of Jim Hedger. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. The tangents were pretty insane. But yeah. <laughs> it was enjoyable. Um, but we, we came up with, you know, uh, uh, theming and all that kind of stuff, which whatever you would call it, uh, siloing at the time. That was way back. I don't know. We did that in yeah. 2001 or 2000, and it worked really well for clients. All that sort of stuff comes out of that kind of brainstorming where you're just following whatever, just going off. Does Bruce Clay still get credit for the term siloing? I'm sure he does. Well, he, I think he did take that, did, put the term out there, but theming is whatever. I, we called it theming at the time, but it's all the same concept. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting seeing all those end-of-year ones coming up. I can't believe we're getting that close. So, well, so what do you think is the most out-there end-of-year prediction you're going to hear? Out there? Oh, out there. God. I don't know. Have you got something in mind? I've got to think about that. Uh, uh, the first thing that pops would, it would have to be do tied to, I think, wearables and how that ties into search. How does wearables, because the watch is coming out in a few years, how is that going to tie into search? Somebody's going to predict something tied to wearables. Now, are you meaning out there in terms of something that will work or out there that's just ridiculous? Yes. <laughs> okay uh, well okay so ridiculous would be fun uh, this would be a funny one um, have you seen the Rufus Cuff that sounds familiar but I'm not sure off the top of my head it's actually a pretty interesting wearable that's coming um, that, that's way surpassed its, its, its crowdfunding campaign and it's, it's I think it's about four inches wide and uh, it'll go on your wrist and it's, uh, you'd think that would never look right or work, but it actually doesn't look that bad, at least from a geek's perspective. Um, and they've made it look kind of trendy. And the idea is it controls your phone. It does everything. And you can, you can, you can type on it, whatever. You can even have voice and video calls on it. Um, they call it the risk communicator. And uh, that, that, that sounds very sci-fi. It sounds like something I've seen in science fiction movies where someone's typing on their wrist. And, oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the future in many ways, I think, except it'll probably be just a... Um, it'll be one of those projected ones on your skin. Anyway, we'll get into that later. But <laughs> in this case, the, the funny out there one would be like having a, a picture of a Siri or someone talking to you and, and telling you what your day is and, and all this stuff next year. It's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen for a good five, six years. But, <laughs> you know, Google will not be on your wrist running everything next year. But that's the sort of thing some people just jump for. So when do you think, and and I know that a lot the Google in particular, um, Sir, Sergey has even said he wants to build the Star Trek computer. Well, in order to have the Star Trek computer, you have to have a centralized database of everything, right? All knowledge. So Google's always said we want to make the world's information accessible. I think accessible is going to change to ours, 
right? <laughs> we want the world's information to be ours. So <laughs> there, there has to be this to, to make the Star Trek computer. You have to have this centralized database. And I, I personally think 10, 10, 15 years from now, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility of having one place where most of human knowledge, you know, resides. Um, kind of like the Library of Alexandria way back when. Uh, you know, when that happens, you know, I think the big if you're a business and you want your business in that database, the service to that business will be how do we get your information into the central database, which is very similar to what we're doing now, where how do we get this the, the central search engine to find your information? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It'll be a very similar type of dynamic. Well, I'd like to tie this in into something, but let's just take a quick break. When we come back, we're uh, going to get a little more into this and, and try and draw it into uh, something to be more a little more relevant to some of our newer listeners. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, panda and paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. And myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, one thing that, that made me sort of brought me into all this again was that discussion we had today about keywords, how I was discussing with uh, your sister about um, what I could help them with in their marketing and such. And and she was surprised at the end. She was actually kind of, I think, suspicious. I never mentioned keywords. I never (laughs) mentioned SEO, really. I did, but not more of an overcast. I, I talked more about the strategy. It's 
getting out there, becoming more credible, becoming, you know, the, building that reputation. That's really what it's about and it's what it's becoming more of. And that's what's going to be the most important thing when we're talking about the for, that that's um, big knowledge base, which essentially is like uh, free base is a basic version of that. Yeah. I mean, it um, is a statistical monster. So, so explain it to people if they don't know what Freebase is and who owns it and why it's important. Oh, boy. I don't remember exactly who owns it. I think it's open source, isn't it? Uh, no, Google bought them. Oh, did they buy Oh, there you go. Yeah, Google owns it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> In any case, um, I know they were a major sponsor at the beginning, but I didn't remember that they bought it. But it's essentially just like the ultimate catalog, catalog of statistics and information about what – it's semantic. It's a semantic database. Is, is as I understood it, that's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like a Wikipedia for data. So yeah. most anybody can go in and add data, and it's formatted more like a database, where wikis perform are formed more like articles and blog posts. This actually has fields to fill out for for businesses. There's bunches of fields, and you and you fill them out. It's more like a data depository instead of a text repository, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, tons and tons and tons of information in there. And a lot of the information that comes from the knowledge graph is coming from Freebase. So if you want your information to be correct <laughs> in the knowledge graph for your business, make sure your business profile in Freebase is correct. Go in, get it edited, add the extra data. If it's not in there, flesh it out. That's only going to help you from a knowledge graph standpoint. And people might be thinking, is that as dangerous, quote-unquote, uh, as altering a Wikipedia listing? Um, not that I'm aware of. I've, I've just, I, they verify the data from what I understand. It, they, it's not the editor-style system that Wikipedia uses, um, and I'm not super familiar with exactly how they verify data, but I know there's something that goes on in the background to make sure that spamming and incorrect data doesn't get out of control, mostly because nobody knows it exists. <laughs> unlike, unlike Wikipedia. Yeah, it's pretty amazing though. Like I look at um, Explore Freebase data on the homepage. It says under music, that one subject, there's 203 million facts and 29 million topics. Yeah. That's still relatively small. Yeah, it's building. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's kind of crazy. It's been growing a lot faster since Google bought them, actually. Yeah, right now they have in total 2,665 million facts not bad <laughs> just 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 a handful yeah exactly uh but what i was getting at though is i just wanted to to sort of tie up what i was saying it's yes keywords they're they're, they're definitely a part of the mix but the reason i didn't bring it up much with the client in, in terms of the sales pitch is it's not i don't know it's kind of a given now it's 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 the basics the keywords of course we have to look at and yes they're important but it's the bigger the more difficult part is becoming that authority and and that's where clients have to understand there's a major investment in time and sometimes money depending on how they want to do it to become an authority in a marketplace and it's it's becoming more difficult to 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 sell frankly in SEO on that because the budgets have to be higher or they have to have in-house uh uh, workers that can focus on doing this work at least a portion of their time. Yeah, and I, I've been telling people for a while now that really to, to, to do well in SEO in today's online search environment, small businesses, medium businesses, you almost have to become a media company. You have to have the resources and the time um, necessary to put out information 
because um, that's really the, the such a foundational part of being found and doing business online right now is data and information and putting it out there. And if you don't have the resources or the time to be a media company for your business, you need to f- be able to have the budget to hire someone to do it for you. Oh, you just scared the hell out of a lot of people. That yeah, I know. just scared me. Media company, that just sounds too creepy to a small business who barely has time to run their own business. But, I, I, and it's true, though. Well, I, I think it's – I think – you're right in a sense. I, I think it's a little overblown. I mean, media company sounds pretty intense, right? I mean, they have to be able to uh, represent their co- their company so, publicly. So, they have to be able to talk about it and become an authority and whatever that means in their industry. That, mean, that means they have to publish. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they're becoming a media company. The ones that publish the most and the best are going to be the most authoritative and get the benefit from it in search the ones Absolutely. that the ones that approach it as if they were a media company are going to be the winners. They are going yeah. to beat the ones that don't. But that will require. You're right. I mean, if 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 a person has to go to that length to get any rankings, they're in a, a larger field and more competitive field anyway. And being uh, thinking like a medium company would probably be within their budget. Not necessarily. Think about a pizza <laughs> shop. There might be twenty pizza shops in your town, right? And if you want to be the pizza shop that's found in search because you want all this new business. For people looking for pizza, you've got to publish. And if there's if there's other pizza shops in your community that are publishing more than you, they're going to beat you. Period. I I, I don't necessarily agree these days because pizza is about local. <coughs> Excuse me. And in local, a, a lot of it is review based. Review based is citation based. They don't necessarily okay. have to do writing. Uh, okay. So if you look at the the local search factors that just came out for Moz this week, right? Mm-hmm. Only eight percent of those factors are related to reviews. That's a significant portion, though. But that's out of the eight major portions. That's the second to smallest. Hmm. So well, okay. Let's. I don't have the factors open right now. Uh, here they are. Actually, I do. One sec. Um, Number one, behavior yeah, was- signals such as click-through rate, okay. Uh, domain authority. Um, proximity to search. Oh, I hate that one. That, hate that one got worse with Pigeon, too. Got a lot worse with Pigeon. Well, actually, I guess proximity to searcher makes sense. That's okay. Uh, it's When it's proximity to Centroid, that's, that's one I hated. Just couldn't stand that one. Um, review signals, social signals. So external location signals is most important. Hmm. Or one of the most important on-page signals. Yeah, a lot of this stuff, though, when you look at local, it's not content. It's not articles. So, but we just we just talked a minute ago about with voice search about how you have to have the answers to the questions. You don't get those answers to the questions without content. Well, yes, of course, you can't have a plain page. But we're talking about uh, a pizza and, place. I mean, you picked and, a tough one because I just the, really, I know, but, not but I write a lot about their pizza toppings. Why not? They could have been. The more they do, the better they're going to do. Anyways, you're not going to give up on this, I know. But I would say that pizza places may be a little stretch. So so answer this question. You have two pizza places in the same town, right? They both are the same proximity from the searcher. They're both in the same area generally. They both have the same kind of social. One puts out new content on their website on a daily basis. One has not put new content on their website in the past six months. Which one is going to do better in search? What kind of search? Local or? Either. Does 
the other one had better reviews and the other one not? I mean, there's a lot of other variables, right? I'm saying everything, else, everything is, else is equal. Okay. Yes. Well, of course, the guy who's doing the, the content is going to do well. Um, if you are dealing in a total flat level there and everyone's all even, everything you're going to do a little more than the other one's going to help you. I'm just saying that in terms of a pizza place, you know, based on my experience, that's, you know, you could write once a month. That's not a media company. It's writing a bit and perhaps just build your presence with reviews from local eateries, food magazines, that kind of thing. So, so here's, here's another uh, twist to this conversation. When I say media company, I mean media, not just text. I'm talking videos, I'm talking imagery, I'm talking everything, media. The more you publish, the more you get yourself out there, you, you know, the more it gets shared in social, the more you see all these other signals from a citation standpoint, from a link standpoint, the more you publish, the better you're going to do overall, period. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, yeah, don't misunderstand me. If people are doing all this stuff, it's great. I'm just, you know, in most, um, at least... Unless they're in the most competitive area, I would hate to be a New York pizza joint. Um, maybe they would have to do all that at least. But in most small towns or cities, you know, just just doing half of this will blow their competitors away. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say you were hired by a New York City pizza place. What's your what's your strategy? Mm, that you would be fun. Do, well, well what's your what's your first go to thought? Your first initial gut reaction is what? How am I going to oh. get these guys better in search? Video. Video and, and definitely media. My point, exactly. Thank you for proving my point, Ross. Very good. No, it's true. <laughs> if you're in the most competitive markets, yes. But in general, pizza, I just don't think they'd have to go that route. All the, you know, it's, it's a matter of uh, scale. I, 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 I don't disagree. I don't think they have to. Mm. But. Whoa. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> There's a big ass. There's a big ass butt. Not to uh, yeah, that. I'm not going to not going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Why not go to those links? Any any business, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how competitive, the more you do, the better your business is going to do online. Yeah. Now, yes, you, you want to balance it against return on investment. You don't want to spend a million dollars on media for you know three more pizza sales a week. Of course not. Right. You got to balance it between investment and return on that investment. But if it's important to you, every time you make a sale, if, you're, if your margin on your sales are large enough and you can produce content and stay within a positive ROI from that content to the margin of sales you're making, do it. Don't not do it, especially if you have a product where, where you're, uh, you know, the average sale value is three or four figures. If you're selling something, every time you sell one, you make you know, four figures, you got plenty of room there you know, as, as long as you got the margin. To, to, to do this media, to make these online sales, you know, there's nothing wrong with spending a couple thousand dollars a month on media online if you're making 10 sales a month from that and each of those sales is a couple thousand dollars a piece, right? So you got to think it from that perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the numbers have to add up. There's no question. Wow. You know, we should do our questions first. So that we don't end up in this position again, because uh, we way over time now, and we got to get we got to tie it up. But um, I promise we will get to these questions next time. We don't. Have, there's no short questions. Uh, okay, why not? Uh, this is a beginner question. It says uh, um, I built a new website for my client. And he wants to also change the domain name. 
We're moving to a new server. The old website has quite a few dynamically created pages. The old host is not particularly helpful in the moving process. Does the HT access file with redirects get posted in the old server or the new server? Good question. <laughs> it is a good question. Um, uh, well, you just talked a lot, so I'll say. Uh, <laughs> um, in this case, what I would do is, well, if there's a redirection, right? You've redirected to the new server. The new server is where all the domains are going, all the traffic is going. Then I would do is I would submit the old sitemap to Google so that they can find the redirects quickly and get and and up te- theoretically update their system faster. Um, that's something that a lot of people forget to do. Yes, most people forget to even do the redirects. So you're way ahead there. Get the redirects done and then submit the old sitemap. You don't have to do anything with the old server though. No, and, and to be real clear, it doesn't matter which server and redirects. It's whatever servers because you said you change domain names, right? So when you change domain names, the the HD access file is actually sitting under a domain, not necessarily on a server. Yes, it is sitting on a server, but you want to make sure it's under the new domain. It does not have to be sitting under the old domain. It sits under the new domain. Um, but it also should sit under the – actually, I take that back. It also should sit under the old domain. So if someone requests um, domain one dot help, and you're now sitting on domain two, um, that old domain has to have an HD access file that redirects it to the new domain. It doesn't matter what server it's on. It has mm-hmm. to be under the old domain to the new domain. And you should also have an HD access file on your new domain in case you have any redirects there. But it's really domain-based more than it is server-based. And it's interesting this question came up because I just read, and I didn't get into the details, so I don't know what they are, but Google just this week changed the um, Webmaster Tools tool that allows you to switch domains, that helps you transfer to a new domain. I'm not sure what those changes are, and we should look into that and talk about it next week, Ross. But they just this week updated that tool. So there is a tool in Webmaster Tools that helps you uh, migrate from domain to domain. Yeah, it's actually on my reading list, too. Um I'll note it here so we make sure to cover it in the next show for redirection. And another note, um, I've got a whole bunch of domains, and some of them are pointed to specific places. And, and you never know. Sometimes people type in domains. It, it's quite common these days, actually. And you might be getting direct traffic from them. And if you want to see how much traffic is changing over time, you know, how, how much traffic, let's say uh, you've done this redirect and you want to see it declining. Pardon me. That's your goal. You want to know when it's gone to zero in terms of how much traffic is sending it. You can put Google UTM tracking, it's called, and just type in uh, Google, uh, what is that, Google URL creator, I think it's called, um, on, on, within Google, and put the domain in there, and essentially it creates a long URL. And within your, your, uh, your hosting company where you've got your domain, or not hosting, sorry, your, your register, where you've bought your domain and you're saving it there and you update and pay every year to, to keep that domain in the ownership, you can usually put a, a redirect in there instead of having to go through your hosting company and just use this long URL, post it in there. And what it'll do is every time someone redirects to your site, it'll be noted as a campaign in Google Analytics and you'll start to see how much traffic's actually coming from that redirect. I find it helpful. Nice. That, that's a good tip. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Wow. That was a good show. We had lots of banter, but I hope, uh, hope people got something out of that. 
<laughs> so we, did, we, we didn't get to talk about our favorite talk, so we said tease it for the next show. Okay, go ahead. Top SEOs got banned from Google. Ooh. It made my month. I just, <laughs> maybe my year. I just loved that news. Just fabulous. And, and we'll, we'll share so, why soon. Next show. Yes. <laughs> so if you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google Plus. You can also email me via ross at stepforth.com or you can reach John via Twitter at John Kirkut. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes which air at what of... Well, I haven't changed it yet. What is it again? It is... Wednesday at 2 o'clock, I think. That's... Yeah, 2 Eastern? 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. Thank you, sir. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.